My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. I do. <laughs> You're going to do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. In the mud, blood, and beer. Years that I'm not working Fourth of July. Fourth of July. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the Raspy Dispatcher. You know, today's episode, I'm really excited. One of the best things about dispatching in today's world is the technology we have available to us. You know, we're not using uh, book map, map books anymore. Manual mode is feared. It is not the normal day-to-day operations in our comm center. And we can map our units. We have better technology to map our callers. And all of this technology is just equal to create better outcomes when we are trying to save lives. My guest today, CEO of Smart Response Technologies, is here to talk about their company and some technology that's probably been around for a while, but we're just starting to hear more about it today in the everyday world, and that is assistive AI. And we're going to talk a little bit about how this technology can benefit us and our centers and, again, increase our chances in saving more lives. My guest today is Roger Mann, and I'm going to bring them on now. Hi, Roger. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited, really thrilled to be with you. Gosh, I'm so excited, too. And it's... um. It's funny because, I mean, no, I'm sure everyone assumes, but no one really knows. You know, I talk with folks before we hit the record button, and me and you are already going on a tangent about this technology and what it can do in our centers. And I'm just so excited to be able to talk to you about it and maybe ease some people's minds about a new technology that they might see in their centers in the very near future. Indeed. I, I, uh, I thought about um, what I can do in my modest way to contribute to to your mission with with all of your audience, and just like you said, just to get people a little bit more acclimated about assistive AI is, uh, I think, uh, uh, going to be really worthwhile today. Awesome! So, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with working in public safety. What is your journey like? Sure. So. I got involved in public safety through uh, through my job at Lockheed Martin, where I was uh, running the research and development programs for international public safety uh, opportunities and solutions. And um, I, I uh, participated, was one of the founders of a working group within the Open Geospatial Consortium called the Law Enforcement and Public Safety Working Group. And we had members from all over the world, both practitioners like yourself, and then leading information technology companies. And you mentioned uh, map books as you were opening up. And (laughs) and one of the things that, uh, you know, given the name of the Open Geospatial Consortium, you know, is very location-based service-oriented. And so I I got to see, you know, state-of-the-art for that all over the world and, you know, a lot here in the United States. And working with those practitioners really exposed me to the challenges that they're facing. 
And I'm trained as a signal processing electrical engineer. And then I had, I was a submariner in the Navy. And so I always had a hankering to apply more on the voice signal processing um, towards the problems that I started getting exposed to about 10 years ago. And then, you know, right after uh, departing Lockheed, I also had the itch to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And one of my former colleagues introduced me to Air Force Research Labs, uh, who had a human performance wing, and they were working on voice AI. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, hmm, I think I know some problems over here that could use that, that technology. And so that's when the journey began in terms of bringing the, you know, trotting this type of technology out to those public safety challenges and uh, forming the company. Uh, I'll also mention that uh, one of my colleagues and I at Smart Response got very, very much involved in the IGES Institute. I want to give them a shout out. Mm -hmm. They are an alliance partner with Nina and APCO. Okay. And they formed with, with some really um, really good folks, including uh, people like Bob Finney and Brad Flanagan, Eddie Reyes, um, a group called the Emergency Communications and Response Group. So that was another lens for me to learn a lot more and get more involved in the public safety challenges um, more directly through uh, the IGES Institute. Awesome. So, you know, I, I always find it so interesting about like how many things are out there, like working in the background to push things forward that ultimately trickle down to like me in a dispatch center that I've never heard of before. You know what I mean? Like there's all these boards, these people who are joining together with all this education and lived experience. And ultimately it trickles down into our comm centers, making our jobs so much easier to do. I go even a step further that says, you know, the most important thing as the driver is your comm centers, your culture, your experiences, and what you do day in and day out. And that really needs to be amplified mm. towards all of the other contributing stakeholders, including industry and and like you say, these these professional 911 organizations uh, that are committed to really supporting. I think they fit the piece of your mission you call support, mm -hmm. you know, quite nicely. Um, mm -hmm. And you're right. They're, they're, it's a big world uh, out there of well-meaning, you know, very experienced, talented folks with energy that can can join, you know, forces in this movement mm -hmm. with, with what you're doing. Yeah. What's it? I don't know if it's Marvel or DC, and I know people are yelling at me right now. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> when everybody unites, <laughs> that, that's what I feel like is happening in the background. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about Smart Response and um, what you folks are doing down there and, and how you took all this experience and kind of geared it towards your your true passion and education and how you got into yes. safety. Yeah, well, Smart Response at its core is an emergency communications, I'll call it even obsessed company. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those problems we saw was miscommunication. And so 
every one of us were an employee owned, which is a wonderful place to be where everyone, you know, shares and has the same convictions and culture towards, you know, growing as a company. Mm. And, um, and then we're also, um, we're also bringing in some investors that have affinities and they're kind of like the picture perfect investor because they have folks that have been, you know, fire chiefs in New York city or, you know, in 911 centers. And so, um, you know, that's contributing to, you know, the, or fueling really um, our ability to bring our technology and the technology that's, that's at the heart and it segues into assistive AI is it is a uh, efficiency gainer for communications that's really unique out there in the marketplace where that assistive technology, if you think about like if you were doing any workflow and I know quality has become a big part of, of uh, the 911 uh, practicing QA, you got to have it. And if you think about, you know, what's your objective and Lockheed, we did a lot of what's called total quality management process. And so you're trying to get errors out as you move down to get your outcomes. And so really this assistive AI is, is it just that it's a aid to those amazing people like yourself that are on the floor, helping those victims in distress, you know, working with, with the public so that the miscommunications are reduced, which makes you much more efficient and effective in the outcomes that you're getting. And that's really all we focus on. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of other technologies out there. We, we are cloud hosted, so we're adept at all those cloud technologies. Mm-hmm. We're CJIS certified, or well, certified by Virginia State Police, compliant from, you know, using the right language there mm-hmm. of all the policies that come out of the FBI. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's an important part of who we are is recognizing that the end missions, not you must, you know, every one of us in our company's level four C just, you know, certified mm-hmm. and you have to be because as a company, while we have, you know, this skill to bring assistive AI uh, to eradicate that miscommunications, you have to know the environments you're working in, what, the importance of protecting information and privacy and, mm-hmm. and all of those things are part of us being a competent, you know, subscription supplier of those services. Mm-hmm. And to give your listeners a little bit of sense, um, we're, we're uh, 17 months young and, hey. and we, we have uh, customers in eight States, which awesome. we're very happy and blessed because these are the people we, we deliberately sought, you know, much like you, prime movers across the country. So that's why you won't find us like in one geography. We're literally all over the country. Mm-hmm. And that was by design because we found people that were part of this big movement across the 911 uh, leadership to mm-hmm. say, you know, we can bring assistive technology to make our people uh, better enabled, more empowered to do a more effective job and to be less stressed at the same time. So mm-hmm. we're kind of excited about that. I'll, I'll toss out, you know, a couple of names here of some of these change leaders. Um, mm-hmm. And most of your audience will have probably known them well before I did, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, take Take uh, Brett Loeb and Brad Flanagan in Pitkin County, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Take Bob Finney in Collier County, Florida. Um, Daniel Hartman in Salem, Virginia. 
Um, you can take Garrett Klein in uh, Moses Lake, uh, Washington. And then there's several others. I don't want to leave people out, but mm. all of these people saw like you do as, as someone that wants to empower and attract and retain more talent in the 911 centers, the benefits of, of our, of our service. Um, mm. And uh, I, I want to ask you a question, Ashley, did you, Whitney. you, I think you told me you went to Grapevine, Nina. I did. I did go to Nina. I was a whirlwind. Did you, let me tell you. <laughs> did you, um, did you catch Brad Flanagan's uh, keynote pitch? I, I did not catch the keynote, and unfortunately, because I—that was the first time I've done a uh, booth at Nina, and my stress level was high. I didn't get a chance to go to the keynote. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> but please, that, that leads to a whole other thing about <laughs> right. running a business and how you live, sleep, breathe. Like I know you're—I don't even know how you have the stamina. You must have a very deep <laughs> reservoir because to do what you do, you know you know, in your shifts and the intensity of that and energy, you have to apply that. And then to run a business. Yeah. Like, you know, we to all you have to be a little bit crazy to be in this line of work, I think. <laughs> and I just think that that's what it comes down to. <laughs> I just, I got enough of the crazy to get through backgrounds and do this. <laughs> well, the, the reason, the reason I was, I was asking you whether, you know, whether you got a chance to, to catch Brad is because, and he, I just pick him as one he as you know self prescribed and everyone will will vouch mm-hmm. disruptor right mm-hmm. and it kind of goes back to your question about kind of what who we are as far why we exist yeah and um when Brett Loeb there and Brad first got a demonstration of what our technology they literally hugged us in the sense that mm-hmm. we've been trying to do something we knew we had this problem, but you actually built something that works and does what we were trying. <laughs> and and so with that background at the keynote, you know, Brad made mention that uh, that there was some assistive AI technology. And he asked the audience the question, like, how many of you and I'll ask you the same question mm-hmm. have had circumstance where you're where you're passively listening to multiple channels while you're actively you know, dispatching. Mm-hmm. and whether you ever missed anything when you were doing that. So I'll ask you that question, Ashley. Yes. <laughs> Simply, <laughs> yes. And I feel like there's a lot of dispatchers out there who might not want to say yes to that. But I think it all comes down to the fact that we are humans and the, our ability to multitask, even though we pride ourselves of having that split ear, that radio ear, being able to maneuver multiple we're still human. And the idea that I can work one radio channel, take a traffic stop, take a license plate, take a person history that they're trying to run out, and then have a 911 phone ringing, because it's only me and my partner in here. And now there's six 911 ringing, because it's a huge accident with the vehicle flip over. And then if you even want to take it to a whole nother level, we can hear our neighboring counties channels. And, and, you know, it happens not when everything's quiet, 
sorry for everyone listening at work. Didn't mean to say the word, but it yeah, happens. That, that's a jinx there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> While all that nonsense is happening, you know, you have your sister County that's going pursuit into your city and you hear mm-hmm. them on the radio and you know, they're about to call you and let you know and ask for assistance and all that's happening at one time. And there is an expectation that you hear it all. And the reality is, is that you will miss something. And yeah, it gets is, right back to your point. It's like, yeah. we are all human. No matter how good our radio ear is, mm-hmm. no matter how focused we are, uh, no matter you know how well-trained we are, mm-hmm. which is like a huge, huge component, because mm-hmm. you're not going to get good results if you don't have those building blocks. Yeah. But even with that, when so much stuff is coming at you and and it doesn't even necessarily have to be, um, you know, an escalating incident. It could right? be a more routine thing, but you, you missed it too, because you were, you know, multitasking. Oh, I have a dollar for every time I go, what did they say? <laughs> say again. Like, yeah. this, is group, this is group dispatching where they said, what? They're like traffic stop. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's spot on. I was, I was in, um, a center, uh, I guess it was around, around the, uh, 4th of July timeframe and the, 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 uh, center team, you know, the, the director there, as well as some other supervisors and, and dispatchers were kicking some things around with us. And they said, you know, we've had several instances now that we've used this technology, like, like, wow. I didn't, you know, and, you know, it ranged from missing a license plate, you know, running a plate to when someone in and out of service to like, there's just countless day in and day out examples are like, and then, then they say, we even had a couple of times where someone came in after their shift out in the field and said, you know, you never acknowledged this. And they say, well, you never said it. And now they say, well, let's go back and look. And they never said it. <laughs> you know, so, so, yeah. It's so funny because, um, and I know folks who are currently dispatching know this and folks who are listening who might not have gotten into the job yet or haven't gone through training yet. When officers key up, sometimes their um, radio traffic isn't clear, right? But then you listen to the playback and it's clearer on the playback but you still can't quite catch it. And you're just like, you didn't sound like that when it came out live. And there's a constant, like, I need you to repeat that. And then the officer's repeating it and they're possibly in a high stress situation and trying to, you know, so it's a lot of officer safety thing where it's important to be clear the first time in case you can't get it out the second time. And again, we're all human. We're all working on technology, and technology unfortunately does fail sometimes. So you you you, you spurred something. I wanna I wanna run down a little bit yes, with you. Let's do it. <laughs> I, so so um, when I was at Colorado's Nina Napco, I was talking with Jennifer Kirkland, and um, almost like a cosmic ray thing, where I was like, <laughs> you know, with our technology. APCO or Nina or both of them could introduce some sort of standard on intelligibility. And I think, you know, I have, I have nephews that, that are in law enforcement, uh, both in sheriff's offices and police departments. And I was asking them like, okay, 
in your academy and your training and your recalls, how much time do you spend learning to speak properly into a radio? <laughs> and they're like, ah, huh? And I said, so with Jennifer, I saying, and I, it might even been her idea, and I just glommed onto it, but it's like, what if you introduced a standard, and not, not in a punitive sense, because it's all about we're working together, but that says, okay, just like when you qualify on your weapon, you also, mm-hmm. you know, talk into the radio, and yeah. we have a technology that can tell you objectively how intelligible you are when you talk into radio so <laughs> so anyway that was as a bit of a, a little dirt road there but, but i think there's uh, something to that yes. and um is that there's you've probably heard these jokes many times and now i have in the centers i've been to but they'll have this debate in front of me and kind of a joke but always truth and jokes mm-hmm. they'll say okay which is more difficult to make out is it the firefighter in the structure fire in the SCABA or is it the police officer on a foot chase talking into his shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard that same debate like multiple times all over the country. And then, mm-hmm. and then I've heard like a third chime in that says, well, actually it's neither of those. It's the mumbler. <laughs> it's like no matter what they're talking about. That's hilarious. And it is funny. And it's all you can even throw like the canine officer pursuit with the dog barking in the background. You're like, oh my. I don't know which officer I'm talking to, the canine unit or a dandler, because you're here. <laughs> you gotta learn alone. to speak whatever that canine canine speak, because they might have some valuable Yeah, I mean, you know, put 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 trigger on the phone. I don't know what his name is, but put him, put him on there. He's on it. Yeah. Yeah. But no it's doubt. so true. No I, I, um, I did, uh, EVOC, is that what it's called? EVOC training for, um, I ran the radio for our Academy, uh, officers at my last agency a few times. We do like a nighttime thing. They go out there and we pretend there's like an officer down situation. I would start the train, the trainee, and their job was to voice, you know, I copy, responding code three, um, right. the basic things that they do. And then they have to focus on, you know, not getting hit by the imaginary fire truck that's coming to when they're responding. Right. And it's so yep. interesting when we talk about radio etiquette coming into our centers, because I remember like putting it out, like the officer comes up and they're being dramatic because they're training and they're like, I've been shot, officer down. And they're like trying to make it a real heightened training situation for the trainee. Mm-hmm. And then I voice, you know, what Adam 23 to start, code three, this location. And then there's like silence. And I'm like, are they going? <laughs> Do they acknowledge me? And then all of a sudden they, they come up, like someone hit them on the side and was like, hey, that's you. And you're like, oh, we're responding up free. You know? And then you're like, they're supposed to give certain like updates and there's like crickets. And like as a dispatcher in the real world, like we're supposed to kind of like, okay, like what's your road conditions? What's your this? What's your that? Um, but it just goes to show you probably how much radio training they had prior to this scenario they're in it's like we taught you to drive but now your lifeline really is this radio and being able to use it properly and you know that makes me think i want to loop back a little bit on our company Mm -hmm. too because 
we have a couple, we have, um, one, one of our, my co-founders, um, Tim Shaw, he's, he had 18 years FBI SWAT experience and a variety of other things that were pertinent. And then the other is, um, our, our, our chief technology officer, um, Ed Craig and Ed, um, is still, he's in his 24th year as a volunteer fire and rescues assistant chief in Prince William County of Virginia. And, um, They've told me countless examples, uh, uh, like you were just sharing, and um, a, a, a good one. And you mentioned it earlier too, is like the the whole "say again" you know scenario, and just how much that's tying up. Like when you're in like a really critical, you want to minimize that traffic yeah, you know, well, yeah. more than I do. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, both of them will tell me it's very fascinating. This is a human nature thing again. Mm-hmm. When somebody wants to start describing something and they just mm-hmm. start going on and on and on, like mm-hmm. they're having a podcast <laughs> instead of like doing a, like this is a command and control thing. Yeah. And where, where that gets right back to, you know, our ethos and eradicating miscommunications, it's not just that you're clarifying things that might have been hard to understand when they said it, but you're also you know, eliminating a lot of say agains, which ties everybody else up. And a good example is like running a license plate. Like we transcribe that bang. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I can cut and paste that into my, you know, into my dispatch or into my lookout, you know, be on the look, you know, whatever databases you're, you're running the plates on. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, I didn't get it. And, uh, you know, that gets also to, um, you know, the, you know, the phonetics of, of numbers. And I know that's yeah. another big thing that you've talked yeah. about in, in your podcast and in your training. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just wanted to loop back because that helps our company when we have um, folks I've done ride alongs and, you know, those mm-hmm. sorts of things, but there's no substitute for doing it. Like actually yeah. <laughs> doing the job. <laughs> And I would also say is that, you know, there's there's a natural tension between patrol and or unit to the field and dispatch. You know, you can't do my job. I can't do your job. All mostly in good fun. Um, But I would imagine that taking away the or lessening, I should say, that the 1090, the asking folks to repeat is going to help strengthen the relationship between the people in the field and the people in the dispatch centers, because it takes away this, like, they didn't hear me. Like they can't do their job. It just kind of takes away this little like annoyance that can build, especially on a hectic day uh, between folks in the field and folks in the dispatch centers. Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. Amen to that. The <laughs> the whole notion that you are a team, and mm-hmm. it, the other thing that really struck me the more I delved into nine one one centers, and it, it it it's that everything everything begins there 
and must it, and and it's like in anything if you're building something and you you didn't start it right you can never get it to finish right that's why and 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 i know there's a, a very strong and growing momentum that all everybody i interact with believes in along you know dispatchers being first first responders and mm -hmm. And, and it's so true. And the, there's an education of the public to that and, and bodies that make those determinations in terms of what that means and, and, and should be earning people for, for that function. Uh, but there is no doubt in my mind from watching how things really work that that's mm -hmm. true and should be normative should everybody should be like yeah that's that's right like wow. why'd you even why'd you even ask that question <laughs> silly question yeah. <laughs> yeah and we're getting there we're getting there yeah. state by state yeah yeah no it's I, it's definitely i feel a great time to be a dispatcher in the sense of you know acknowledgement in the sense of like people are actually we have tv shows that are showing what we're doing in the center like these things weren't here five, 10 years ago, you know, um, we have like real TV shows, like reality shows. And then we have, you know, fiction shows that aren't always accurate with how what we do, but people are still talking about the role of a dispatcher and, and it's going into people's minds. And, you know, people are wondering, you know, what life is like for us out there in the world. You know, when they're watching cops, they're understanding that the mm -hmm. person speak, they, they can hear is a dispatcher where I think there was probably a big disconnect on how did we even get to the part where the folks have the cameras and we're out here in the patrol vehicles. Like we're being so much, we're more talked about now more in the, in everyone's peripheral mm -hmm. and not straight line of view. And it's just such a good time to, to be getting into this part of the first responder field. It is. It's. I, I agree with you completely. It's an ideal time for that. Uh, one. One last thing I wanted to loop back with you. Uh, it's more. It's. Uh, it's a question. And under your, you know, is there, you know, maybe this came up in previous Let's Talk Dispatch podcast. But are you familiar with Project Mayday? No. So. This is very fascinating, and, and I recommend it to your audience to just okay. Google it. And the, the gentleman sadly passed away in October that, mm -hmm. that uh, originated this project out of Texas, Don Abbott. Mm -hmm. And what he had, where his, where his obsession was, was Mayday projects, because he had been a fire chief and had experienced Maydays and, and, mm -hmm. and, and the tragedies around him in, on the fire ground. And so what he did was he, over seven year period that ended right up until he passed in October of last year, mm. he studied 5,000 May Day incidents. Wow. What's pertinent to your audience is that he, one facet that he really drilled down in was the radio traffic. Mm. And so on, on those 5,000 May Day incidents, this is going to probably startle you, but 36 and a half percent of mm -hmm. all those, the mm -hmm. mayday, as you know, said three times, was missed entirely by everyone on the fire ground, in the wow. 911 center, anybody else. And 
Um, and then we're, we're kind of inspired to, to what we do at, at Smart Response is it turn, and, it, and, I, and I liberally lifted a phrase that Don came up with called predictable is preventable. And what, what, how it relates is in that same painstaking, you know, dissection of those radios mm-hmm. in 87% of those 5,000 uh, maydays, there was one of 16 phrases or a combination of those phrases said mm-hmm. before the mayday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so those are great things for assistive technology to say, yeah. you know, they just said zero visibility or they just said fires above me or they yeah. said flash over or hoarder or whatever yeah. the phrase that was one of those 16. Yeah. And that's, you know, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean for sure you're going to have a mayday, but it's, it's, <laughs> Just gets your attention. Yeah, the pattern, the patterns, you know, like yeah. when you do this job enough, and especially when you're working in a smaller agency and you tend to know your units or even in a larger agency and you're working with the same units for a year or whatever your shift changes, you get to know cadence, you get to know mm. the way they do things. You And when it shifts... You, you notice and you peek up and like, you're like, well, they, they normally don't sound that yeah. escalated. Like something is going on that, you know, they, they haven't put out or I, I'm going to start paying a little more attention to it. And the other aspect of that study, which is daunting um, in general, is that for those 36% who didn't hear the mayday, the trauma that's going to come with them and stay with them forever because they're going to feel like they should have done better. Could have done better. If I did hear it, what if blah, 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 blah. I don't have, I don't have the stat on this, but Mm -hmm. in an, I know one of the findings from all the, all that, that, that the project made it, they also found that sometimes it was because the person was on the wrong radio talk group. Mm-hmm. or something like that where mm-hmm. you know it's it's so it wasn't just that there's so much chaos or mm-hmm. the muffledness or whatever it might have been but but I love your point and I'm going to jot that point about the cadence down because I think there can be some we are working on some voice stress indicators on our okay. technology roadmap Very cool. um, and I think that would correlate to mm-hmm. what you're saying whether your pitch changes whether yeah. you're tempo changes yeah. and you're mm-hmm. right that the word cadence is the operative word there mm-hmm. um i was in fort worth texas uh right after nashville for uh apco uh and with with their 911 leadership team and one one of them like me had been a submariner uh, he's actually the cto of fort worth and and he um he he asked me a question which was do you remember like when you're on the sound power phone, you had like a fire in the engine room or something like that. How everybody's like, everything changed. Yeah. He goes, he goes, but the training and then the human ability to know, cause you've trained so much what mm-hmm. they're supposed to be saying. Yeah. Led mm-hmm. you to take the next right step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I do remember that. Yeah. Say, yeah. We, had, we had one where that came in for real. But anyway, it's a similar thing. And I think mm-hmm. I think assistive AI will evolve towards, you know, further helping. And that's the operative word here is mm-hmm. it, it's it's helping. It's yeah. 
the human being is so more advanced than any assistive AI yeah. and, and a trained human being uh, even more so um, that there is no, this is not a substitute of technology. Mm -hmm. This is assistive. And to yeah, it's a tool out, to a tool belt for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. just one of those. So yep. for folks who might not, because I, I told you before we jumped on here, I'm like, AI, I'm like, it's like the new the new buzzword, you know, like I, yeah. it's probably been around forever. And folks who are like in tech probably have been using AI in many different facets for a long time. But I think most recently we've seen it come up, especially for folks who have children and things like that, uh, like using AI to, hey, write my essay. Here's my prompt, you know, things of that nature. So yep. maybe for folks who um, don't have the best uh, technology base, is there a plain way to describe assistive AI um, and how that relates to what we would see it being used for in the dispatch center? Yes. So first, what you know, we, we've talked about some of the assistive features in, mm -hmm. you know, uh, identifying words and that sort of thing. But what's really underneath there is it, it's really statistics. It's really just processing information. In our case, the assistive is listening to your voice and it is using statistics to say, okay, that, you know, in the English language, there's 42 utterances. It varies by language, but they're all in that same area. And we're doing, we're doing some stuff in Spanish now as well. Very cool. Um, and so it starts to say, well, if this utterance is followed by that utterance is followed by this utterance, then it's likely this word. And then there's mm -hmm. also some things that are going on to say in the vocabulary of public safety, there's a certain set of words that are really important. So I'm going to really train my model to weight those and get them more accurate. It's not as challenging um, it has a, a different set of challenges in the acoustics mm -hmm. and, and some other things, but in vocabulary, public safety can be less as it's trying to predict what's the most likely word that you just said. And it's the same thing uh, you see when you're watching closed caption TV that's live mm -hmm. and you'll mm -hmm. see there's like a four second delay. In our case, you know, we've worked on technology to make it much faster than that because right. four seconds is too long. Yeah. Anxiety would be up. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's really important to, like I was saying, mm -hmm. to intensify those words. And then that assistive AI is uh, running and I'll throw out a couple buzzwords and I'll try to explain what they mm -hmm. are. So uh, you'll hear deep neural net, DNN. Mm -hmm. And so think about that as really a replica of how your brain works. Your brain matches patterns all the time in voice and mm -hmm. objects and everything. And it's doing, it's basically going through some layers of trying to fit that match and say, that's what I saw. That's what mm -hmm. I heard. That's what, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what a deep neural net is doing. Okay. And today's compute environments, like we operate in a, in a cloud hosted environment. And the beautiful thing is that in order to do those statistics I was talking about earlier and run up and down these layers of, you know, your neural net to mm -hmm. make that match with the highest likelihood of being right, you need a lot of compute. And the beautiful thing is that that is very abundant these days in the cloud. You, you may have heard about companies like NVIDIA that makes a graphics processing unit. 
Mm. That unit is one of the technical infrastructure enablements for doing this lightning fast pattern mm. matching that deep, you know, assistive AI is doing. Almost everything I said there can apply um, in other like object recognition. And I know in 911 centers, you know, some of that's emerging on video and so forth like that. Mm-hmm. It's doing the same thing I was talking about. But instead of parsing out, it's looking at pixels and image matching versus like mm-hmm. utterances and word matching. Yeah. And so that's, that's in, in essence, um, you know, what's going on. And then the assistive nature we've, we've kind of, you know, bantied about already mm-hmm. is, well, to be assistive, you have to ask, what do you need assistance on? Because <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to say, you know, there's certain things you do quite, yeah. you know, one another screen, you know, on your, uh, another tab mm-hmm. on a on a console, you, you just, so the assistance part is driven by the user experience and making it intuitive mm-hmm. to them what they're mm-hmm. getting assisted with. And so the assistance might be an alert on certain keywords that will persist for you. And that's an assistance to say, okay, I'll, you know, dismiss it. And maybe that gets pushed to a supervisor. Maybe it gets, mm. you know, pushed to QA. One of the things we've heard that, you know, and we heard this quite a bit just, just in Nashville from a lot of folks that came by our booth. Mm-hmm. And you know how crazy that gets in the booth. Man, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> but several of the training managers, coordinators, and supervisors were saying, you know, I can see the assistance here, you know, relative to, um, relative to the learning curve without looking right over somebody's shoulder, which mm-hmm. always makes a person nervous. Yeah. And say, I gotta, oh, I gotta need some breathing you know, room. <laughs> there's, some, there's some supervisory and training mm-hmm. assistance there. So not only is it assistive, you know, on the front lines, of the workflow of dispatch, but it can be assistive to supervisors and trainers and, you know, that sort of thing mm-hmm. and, and kind of feed into the great movement uh, of quality assurance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, ask yourself, the, I'll ask you like if, and you've probably done some of this, like how do you pick which um, particular dispatches that you do a QA on? Mm-hmm. So you might use this as a system of technology. Say, like, I want to do the ones that have an escalation with these type of words, like uh, a, yeah. you know, take a good one, which pursuit. Like, I yeah. want to look at all the pursuits and how did we follow mm-hmm. our procedures and our protocol? Like, you know, sort of yeah. Thing. So that's another use case of assistive AI. Um, did I did I get to a, a fundamental? You know, I can go a little further in describing the technology or do you think your audience would follow? No, no, I I think that was a really good explanation. Uh, My follow up question would be when what does it what does your program look like when it's in the center? So if I'm in dispatch, I'm taking a radio, looking at all my screens, is it coming up like in its own little window tab, cloud-based, or like what, what is a dispatcher seeing when those Yeah, what's that experience? Through? Yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, that? great like, question. You describe it, what is that yeah, yeah. look like? Yeah, the way, the way you experience uh, our assistive AI um, is you, you um, every, every center, you know, can have keywords that are their own, 
So this mm -hmm. is like, you know, we have some default ones like uh, the Project Mayday and Pursuit, mm -hmm. Shots Fired and Code 1099, things like mm -hmm. that. But um, every place might have certain place names that are unique to their locality and they can choose, wow. you know, what those keywords are. And because it's phonetics, like I was talking about in the utterances, it doesn't it doesn't even have to be a word in any dictionary, let alone mm -hmm. the English dictionary. And I would also imagine like I went from one agency to another and like we all speak our own language, like in Sacramento, we had nine codes and in Walnut Creek, yep. we had 10 codes, you know, so I had to learn a whole other language. Thanks. Thanks, Sacramento. Um, but I would imagine there's some of that pouring. Into yeah. Well, and you mentioned language. in one of your podcasts mm -hmm. or maybe one of your training things on, on, you know, the, the phonetic, um, you know, alphabet and, and that can also be different, like mm -hmm. the NATO mm -hmm. standards different than you exactly. Know, the, mm -hmm. And so that could be another one that's different for the assistive technology. But the experience and and um, we've worked a lot with some of our early customers and then from the experience of some of our founders to make this like one click, simple, easy, intuitive. And what happens once you've you know got those things preloaded in and we've mm -hmm. seen it used a number of different ways. So sometimes it will be a console, a monitor right above where you decide where to put your radio channels because okay. they kind of relate to each other, like mm -hmm. what's being transcribed and what. And it might be like a double decker on, mm -hmm. on one side where yeah. there's the radio channel assignment and then there's our transcription. Mm -hmm. And you, there's a lot of flexibility in the assistiveness because you can take your whole, you can take one channel and just play it on your total console. You can have up to eight console, eight uh, radio talk groups on wow. one browser, one mm -hmm. console. Um, you can organize it. So it, I'll use the term interleave. So it goes, you know, one talk group after another, regardless, but it'll say which talk group's talking. And mm -hmm. oftentimes we'll color code the law enforcement is blue and fire and rescue is red and so forth in terms of just a visually intuitive, you know, who's, you know, what channel is, you know, what, what talk group is assigned to, you know, which, you know, type of uh, responder. Mm -hmm. And then um, they, there's both what's called a passive alert, which is, we call it a snack bar. It just kind of comes up and, and it does not persist. And that might be something that's like, okay. And then there's a little uh, bell on the left that's, keeps track of it it's called a log so it timestamps every one of those mm -hmm. and you can go see like anytime you might have a lull in the action you can say did i get any passive alerts because i might not have seen the passive alert yeah. but mm -hmm. on but on critical critical words you know such as a mayday or shots fired or mm -hmm. officer down those yeah. persist until you dismiss them and you're still getting, you can immediately go at any time in our user experience, you can immediately go to a channel and replay. And so, you know, this is instant. This isn't, you know, 10 seconds later. This is yeah. right after it happened. You can instantly replay anything that you, and um, in the, we also get displayed on smartphones um, and we have a, SMS message push. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. something if you used Teams or some sheriff's office use HipLink, you yeah. can get a push. So you don't even have to be on our assistive tool to get a notification mm -hmm. 
got a word that you wanted to be alerted on. So a good scenario example of that might be pursuit where there's a policy that says, okay, we want to make sure that this pursuit's not going to put people at, you know, in harm's way needlessly. It's it's a necessary pursuit. So that might go to say um, a district sergeant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I authorize keep, you know, yeah. Yeah, What's the why? Why are we chasing this person? Yeah. 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 As an example. So that's one, one set of user experiences. We've seen some of the centers that are using it. We'll put it uh, and and I'm going to tangent on you here again, please. So some of them will put it. Do you, are you familiar? Do you use the term pods in, in the larger dispatch centers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have pods. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, So they'll put it per pod in a larger above everybody console. Mm -hmm. Everyone sees it. And and then, and then someone can like line of sight, see, Oh, there's Mm -hmm. some alerts and, and you know, that sort of thing. But the reason I was going to tangent on you, I failed to mention this when you asked about a company, but while, and you appreciate this because you're really good at, you know, branding, raspy dispatcher and let's talk dispatch and mm-hmm. and your taglines and stuff because the most intelligent communicating creature on the planet happens to be dolphins <laughs> and they operate in pods mm. we branded our product name as delphini and Ooh. you know and then like another that. dimension of that is that um the dolphins are they literally give their offspring a unique squeak, if that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like a, it's like uh, a human name. Uh, that was my and nickname they, in college because my voice was a little squeakier <laughs> back then. So. But anyway, I, I mentioned that because you know you you got me thinking down that path with how how the user experience is, mm-hmm. and then I thought, well, we were inspired by dolphins and how well that for both their own, their own um, survival and safety and security of their pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's, you know, a, a similarity in the user experience here. What we want to, what we want to enable and assist is for the pods and then the center writ large, and then going out further into the field mm-hmm. such that, that, you know, you're, you, you're getting rid of that miscommunication. And so yeah. that's why we made, you know, the user experience very intuitive um, in those pop-ups and going to, you know, instant replay. Um, I do have a question. When you say sure. replay, is the audio coming out as well as the caption when they replay or yes. are they very yeah cool. so okay. you'll you'll what what happens is you'll you'll um you'll see you'll see the caption um mm-hmm. there's actually like normally it would be like right then right then but you, there's also a search function if you wanted to go back a few minutes five mm-hmm. minutes two hours but it'll go right to right to those words and you push the button and then you hear it again. Okay. So sometimes you might be like, did that's what they really like this Mm -hmm. assist said they said this, did Mm -hmm. they, you know, and then the human really focuses in and in most cases it'll be, yep, that's what they said. Yeah. And Uh, I mean, sometimes it will be wrong. Uh, Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because I, I, I guess the, best place that I think about having to go back maybe farther 
it's like a pursuit situation because if, for folks who don't work and haven't been in a pursuit situation yet, they, they're required typically, I'm sure every agency's policy is different, but most officers, the second car is calling it and they're having to say speed, weather conditions, uh, mm. uh, flow of traffic, um, and things of that nature as the pursuit's continuing. So they're giving those updates, let alone, let's say people are throwing stuff out the car window, maybe one foot fails and the other continues. There's all these things that need to be documented in the call because when they go back and write the report, they're referring to the CAD notes in order to, you know, uh, write the report for every instance that happens. Sometimes there's so much going out, you might miss, you know, they're throwing stuff and then they give an update about all the conditions. So we do sometimes have to go back and like typing the call at this time, thrown out at this location, stuff like that. So I yeah, thought I was another, if they as, came out audio as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a great scenario. And there's lots of different branches from that scenario. Mm-hmm. But one of the other, you know, back to your user experience question, mm-hmm. another thing that was driven by, you know, by us listening to what they were, you know, how they wanted to use it mm-hmm. uh, was every one of those, uh, you know, we call it a spurt or, you know, you could call it a snippet of, you know, from the push to talk to the core is time stamped. Mm-hmm. So you can cut and paste not only what was said, but like your example, maybe someone tossed a weapon out of their vehicle and you, and they said that on the radio. You could go exactly to the second as to when they said that awesome. on the radio mm-hmm. and you could, mm-hmm. you know, paste that. We, we do something that's uh, if you're familiar with the incident command system, ICS 214 form, mm-hmm. we, we can generate that as well, which, you know, takes all of those things and then also puts a wave file so you can see what the transcription said, but you can also play it back. Mm-hmm. And so you have kind of an act after action type of logging thing oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And I would imagine, especially since you folks are like all over the place, as far as what centers you're in across the, the country, um, is that all that information that's being poured into the system is only helping improve the system's ability to recognize different things that is uh, pertinent to our line of work. Yeah, it, I'm glad you raised that. That's a good <laughs> by by forethought, because it closes a loop I really should have mentioned when you asked me about about AI, which what you're referring to there is machine learning. Mm. And the more data you have to train that vocabulary, that dialect, those place names, those things, Mm. the better it gets. And there's both unsupervised and supervised machine learning. We do both. Mm -hmm. And you, and, and you're right. The more, you know, that's how AI works. The more you train it, just like a human, the more you train a human, the more <laughs> well, I don't the know if that's for us in the future are bad. They're gonna, the, the, the robots are going to take over, but <laughs> we still be smart a robots. A few generations <laughs> down the line, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I wanted I wanted to follow up one other thing, which mm-hmm. um, is assistive in nature, and I know you had you had expressed some interest when we were talking in advance about about the radio ear and how this can help mm-hmm. with the radio ear. Yeah. We've heard we've heard 
from multiple customers that they have found, particularly with, you know, in both training, you know, formal training regiments, you know, moving towards being, you know, qualified to, to be on the floor doing the dispatch function mm-hmm. that by, by having um, re- real world uh, radio transcriptions mm-hmm. in that training regiment that the human, the, the trainee starts to be able to get the radiator faster. We're, we're going to mm-hmm. run some experiments in the future to that's independently, exciting. objectively, uh, scientifically prove that's true. Mm-hmm. But anecdotally, we've heard that a number of times. Um, and then, and then the other part is, um, you know, on the floor when you're fair, fairly, it reminds me like in the way back machine, I think, well, I remember almost any time you learn how to do something that requires a license, like driving, mm-hmm. you're really unsafe when you mm-hmm. first start driving. And that's the truth. <laughs> and so, and so I think similarly, even though you might be qualified, it's kind of nice to have some assistive radio ear technology. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is just like your, your buddy or your assist, you know, that's there for you uh, and not, and I've heard some criticism, which has merit, but I, I think that there's more merit on what, what, what we're seeing mm-hmm. uh, in terms of accelerating and reinforcing the radio ear. There has been some criticism that, well, this is going to be a crutch and they won't ever gain the radio ear. You know I what, let me, yeah. Roger, let me tell you, I hate <laughs> with a passion when folks are like, we need to learn how to do this under rapid fire with the building on fire, you know, people throwing stuff at you in your chair. I just, I don't resonate with that line of thinking and it, it's contagious in this field where folks are like we they should be able to do it without abc whatever abc is and i'm just like why are we training in trauma why are we training someone when we have this technology to make this job quote unquote easier you know easier experience then like let's 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 give them the crutch a little bit, you know. Well, like, and I and I and I also go back from a retention standpoint. Yeah. And with the next generation, like you know, my children, you know, they, like when they go to the workforce, they expect modern technology. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Heck yeah. Don't give me what, whatever you used to use when you were young. Yeah. Like, so, like they're yeah. like, what are we talking? It's 2023, 2030. Like I can't even imagine this match in 10 years, let alone, you know, what it, what has come in five years. In five years that I've been doing this, text to 911 has come, uh, rapid SOS, rapid deploy, all those systems are Great now stuff. integrated yeah. into our everyday line of work. And I remember my folks who have been doing this, like being upset about it or being um, resistive, I should say, to those technologies. And now five years in, those are just everyday technologies that we have. And I hope that that's what we get in the future with this AI stuff as well as it just becomes our everyday line of work because it's only helping us. 
Yeah, and the, the dimension we didn't, you might have touched on it, but we didn't talk in much length about it. But one of the other, one of the other attributes of this assistive technology is it reduces your stress. Mm. And we know, mm. so the Air Force uh, Research Labs who invented this technology, they patented it and we've got the license for it. Mm-hmm. They did some experiments where they measured, um, you know, the comprehension increases, mm-hmm. uh, which can be like 70% comprehension increases. And then they also measured cognitive load decreases, which directly correlate to stress reduction. And those went down 50%. And so if you're like, okay, I'm not going to use this assistive technology because you need to do it the way we've always done it. And then you say, you're going to put unnecessary stress on somebody when the job is one of the hardest jobs, one of the toughest jobs in America already. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that? Why? (laughs) Doesn't make sense to me, you know? And I've had folks, you know, because, you know, a lot of aspiring dispatchers or folks who are really early in their training, they reach out to me. And one of the things that um, folks ask me questions on and is how to like, I'm missing big things in my calls. Like my trainer's listening. I'm in there and I miss something, whether it's something that's said in the background, whether it's a uh, buzzword, my caller saying that should have made me prompt to ask a different question. They're, ha- they're having a hard time recognizing those things and when we're talking about developing the radio ear or even when you're on a 911 call it seems like having that assistive technology especially earning in early in your training when you're already doing so much multitasking that you're not used to is only going to help you really be able to key in on those words you know yeah i and um i want to add one other thing on the workflow, which is Mm -hmm. we started to put a lot of concentration on the call handling side too. Mm -hmm. And that I touched briefly, you know, we've, we've uh, built a language model for Spanish as well, not to translate, but to transcribe Mm -hmm. because people would be bilingual, you know, Mm -hmm. as the call Mm -hmm. taker. Yeah. And that's another um, stress reducer Mm -hmm. um, and, the user experience, as you know, is quite different than a radio mm-hmm. dispatch. The vocabularies are different, but there's still some fundamental building blocks, which is there are words that indicate, you know, what the, and, you know, the, help you with the five W's and all that. Yeah. You know? yes, yes. <laughs> that sort of mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and, and then also give you some pretty good triage relative to, um, yeah, severity and priority. Mm. Um, and that mm. and that can also work on, you know, mental health type of calls like 988 yeah. or or the like and and working across. And the final thing I'll say about that user experience is, and we've got we've got as a company work to do on this, but we'll be doing it with uh, beta customers later this year mm. uh, on, on the call side, because we're full production on the radio side, is we will look, it's the classic children's game, a whisper down the lane. This was said on the call. Did you lose something down, down the lane? Yeah. And, yeah good old telephone. Be, yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's, you know, we think, think we think there's tremendous potential mm-hmm. in 
in um, that assistive nature of making sure that that integrity of of the communication is is retained through through that flow. Awesome. Man, Roger, I feel like I can talk to you all day about this stuff because it's so interesting. And I all and it's like you said, 17 months young. I mean, the it's only gonna continue to grow. Um, you guys sound like you're doing some amazing stuff. So can folks reach out to you to bring you into their centers now? Or what what does um finding you to work with you look like? Where can folks reach out to you? Yeah, very much so. Uh Reaching, we are we are ready to deploy anywhere, and I'd I'd like to mention when we when we built this, a founding team said we want to be affordable, we want to be easy to integrate. So we, uh, I'll use Flanagan again. He's in 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 at uh, Grapevine. He said we pay what we pay for uh, our coffee supply for you know for what we pay for this technology. And that's, <laughs> the and that's true. And that might, you know, shock some folks. So yes, we, we inbound, it would be roger.man at smart response tech, T E C H.com. And that's also smart response tech.com is our website. And any of your audience can go to that website and there's a click to go, you know, I want a demonstration. I want more information. You can mm-hmm. get it that way as well. And yeah, we're it, we're actually one of the deployment sites that's uh, probably either next or you know we have a, a very sh- small backlog that we're you know deploying and we deploy in a day um, is actually Sacramento hey. uh, Fire and Rescue uh, Julie Todd. So oh, pretty, very cool. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Um, and and so you can get the sense we we're in small centers. We're you know going now into some larger centers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're ready. We're excited. We want to we want to do our part uh, on this whole movement in across the across the country uh, with that you're part of. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And the question that I ask everybody to wrap it up and I know you're uh, you're privy in the in the first responder world is a little different than maybe someone that I talk to. But what advice would you give someone who is considering a career in public safety, whether it is providing technology to help our first responders or getting into the field and serving in that manner? My advice, and it's informed more from my last 17 months of experience with leadership, mm. is seek out uh, what I call enlightened leaders um, and, and leaders doesn't necessarily mean they're the director of the center. There's leaders like yourself. There's, and and, and uh, uh, Adam Tim is a great book, you know, the, the people-driven leadership. Mm-hmm. And you can see the prototypical awesome leader that's a virtuous cycle leader to a better place. The movement is real. It's everywhere. And as you're you know, look into those places that are embracing that change and those type of leaders and the culture that they're forming, mm-hmm. uh, because then you'll have a very, very satisfying uh, career um, you know, it, with that virtuous cycle. Uh, and you're going to learn and you're going to grow and you're going to be very satisfied with the difference that you're making in the world. So that's my, my advice is, you know, seek out those types of places that embrace 
um, you know, people, you know, driven leadership. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they're, they're, they're abundant. You know, you see them, mm -hmm. you know, you see them in every state that we've been in, they're there. And uh, so it's a very bright future for public safety with the leadership that, that is driving a, a brighter future. Awesome. Amazing advice. Roger, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for being excited about public safety and creating this company and this tool that we can all add to our tool belt. Um, and I imagine it's going to be in all the centers in no time. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ashley. Awesome. I'll be right back with you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on a, an, another amazing episode on Let's Talk Dispatch. You know, I am really excited about technology and its ability to make our jobs easier and help us save more lives. I mean, that's really all it comes down to. So if you're listening and you're like, Ashley, I don't want another password. I don't want another monitor. You know, understand that these things are being tried out and implemented in our centers only to help us the growing pain that you're going to feel when implementing any new technology is only going to become the normal way you do this job. So please embrace any new technology that your centers might be trying to implement and give positive, constructive feedback of your experience to your supervisors and to those companies so we can improve this technology because it's only here to help us and to help the folks who are calling us for help. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like, tell a friend, all the good things. And until next time, stay raspy, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Dispatch, a Raspy Dispatcher production. If you like the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and of course, tell a friend. If you want to be a guest, head to the raspydispatcher.com and check out our additional resources. Until next time, stay raspy, everybody.